Singapore just became the first government to greenlight cultured meat. And it's chicken that came first. Uh, animal cells are obtained through a biopsy and or a cell bank and then cultured. And then they're given a plant-based diet. And then you put some, uh, you know, some science, uh, magical, mystical dust on it. And you have chicken. So yay, yay, lab-made chicken coming to a chicken sandwich near you soon. Sounds good, doesn't it? (laughs) I know. I know. It sounds just that good to me as well. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Speaking of animals, the transportation department issued the final rule that aims to settle the years-long tension between airlines and passengers who bring their pets on board for free by saying they need them for emotional support. Under the final rule, takes effect in 30 days, so after the first of the year, January 3rd or 4th, when we come back from the the holiday break, uh, a service animal is a dog trained to help a person with a disability. Thank you. So for a long time, passengers who had a doctor's note saying they needed the animal for emotional support. Okay. Now, you know, sure. You could bring your turtle, your pig, your peacock, your squirrel. (laughs) And people did, but uh, no more. Now you can bring your animal, uh, any animal you want with you by putting them in the cargo area for a fee if you want them to travel with you. So, there you go. Have a nice day. Take care. It requires airlines to treat dogs trained to help people with psychiatric issues the same as all other service animals. Advocates for veterans and others had pushed for that. They'll be able to require the owners to vouch for the dog's health, behavior, and training. They can require people with the service dog to turn in paperwork up to 48 hours before a flight, but they can't bar those travelers from checking in online like other passengers. They also require the dogs to be leased at all times, and they can bar dogs that show aggressive behavior. Okay. I mean, apparently there have been incidents of emotional support animals biting passengers, I doubt that there's been incidents where any the the service animal dog has bitten people unless you're really messing with it. And I would get, venture to say that it would still wouldn't happen. But you know, what do I know? What do I know? Anyway, good news for people who didn't enjoy flying next to <laughs> next to the peacock. But uh Bad news for the people who loved flying with their emotional support peacock. And we know how supporting they can be. Want to take a ride? (laughs) Why, yes. Yes, I do. Well, you remember that. I could play the whole scene for you uh, from the movie Contact. Uh, Fantastic with Jodie Foster. And of course, uh, you know, after the first device was built. 
uh, you know, it crashed and it was over. But of course, why build one when you can build two at the price of two? And that's the government deal, a wholly owned subsidiary of Haddon Industries. Want to take a ride? Remember the giant telescope that they used in that movie? And I think it was in the James Bond movie. And it's been, we've seen it in movies, you know, a bunch of times uh, throughout history from Puerto Rico. And this is the giant observatory. It's the uh, 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 observatory there with the giant telescope. Uh, 57 years of astronomical discoveries. So it's been deteriorating. Uh, You know, that 900-ton platform has been deteriorating and suspended by cables 450 feet above the 1,000-foot-wide bowl-shaped reflector dish. Uh, Yeah, it fell. Uh, it fell down. Uh, it just crashed. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> apparently, the wires, a couple of the cables, when I say wires, a couple of the cables have, you know, that were supporting the reflector dish had broken since August. And so they were just waiting around, wondering, well, what, what we should do? I don't know. Wonder what, something's probably going to happen, right? We probably, uh... We need to get a review and try to repair the structure, but it'd be pretty uh, dangerous and, you know, and it would have to be demolished and we don't know what we should do. Well, just wait around until more cables break and then uh, the whole thing will go crashing down. That's exactly what happened. So have a nice day. Goodbye, Puerto Rican observatory telescope that looks at the universe. I mean, holy cow. Come on. We couldn't fix it. We're doing, we, we have spent money on everything in this world. And we see a, a cable drop for this observatory that's been around for 60 years. And, you know, probably needed a little upkeep remodel. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then, then the cable breaks and we're just like, ah, eh, probably should do something, but it's going to cost a lot of money and, you know, it might be dangerous or something. I don't know. We probably should do something. Yeah, how about uh, wait? No, let's just let's just wait. Let's just wait three or four months, and it'll just come crashing down. Okay, no problem. I mean, significant damage from all the falling cables, and the whole uh, that was the learning center gets crashed by the cables, and the entire uh, you know the the scope gone. The dish. Have a nice day. Wow. Our focus is now assessing the damage finding ways to restore operations at other parts of the observatory and working to continue supporting the scientific community and the people of Puerto Rico. Yeah, well, without the actual telescope to look into space, no one cares. But, I mean, I still do. Want to take a ride? I love that movie. And uh, that scene, that whole scene is fantastic. But, uh... Yesterday, we talked about the monolith in Romania. Well, that has disappeared now as well. So remember, so we had the we had the monolith in Utah that was there until the, you know somebody spotted it, and then it disappeared. Then we have the monolith showed up in Romania, and that's gone. And now we have a monolith that showed up atop Pine Mountain in California. That's a cheaper model, though. According to reports, the one in California was not attached to the ground. It could have been knocked over with a firm push. 
but it was there and we took pictures of it. And that probably was a fake one, you know, put there for the, uh, for the Instagram, for the gram, uh, for the YouTube, but, uh, you never know. You never know. Now, according, there is a story of someone who said that they saw, uh, the monolith in Utah get taken down. He said four guys rounded the corner. Two of them walked forward. They gave a couple of pushes on the monolith and, uh, you better got pictures and they gave it a big push, broke it apart, put it in a wheelbarrow and took it away. And that's what he claims. So, you know, okay. I'm just letting you know. I don't know if it's a coincidence that the monolith in Utah is in the ground doing whatever it does and then it gets taken down and then the Puerto Rican telescope collapses. Coincidence? I don't know. You tell me. I know that the Romanian mayor said that he was happy that the aliens had chosen his city to put the monolith on or in even though he was also saying that, uh, well, there was, uh, they needed to have uh, permission from the local uh, government officials, which they didn't have. Oh, okay. All right. Got that. No problem. But I just, all I know is there was a monolith in Utah that was doing its thing. And then we found it and it got taken down by someone somehow. And then the Puerto Rican telescope collapsed. You decide. We also got a new warning through NASA that came from the Inuits or Inuits. Inuits. I-N-U-I-T-S. Inuits. Our local people that live in the Arctic regions of Canada, United States, and Greenland. Inuits, I-N-U-I-T-S, okay? They are excellent weather forecasters, and so were their ancestors. And they are warning NASA that the cause of change in weather, earthquakes, etc., are not due to global warming, as the world thinks. The state of the Earth has shifted or wobbled their sky has changed. The elders declare that the sun rises at a different position now, not where it used to previously. They also have longer daylight to hunt now. The sun is much higher than earlier, and it gets warmer much quickly. Other elders across the north also confirmed the same thing about the sky changing when interviewed. They also allege that the position of the sun, moon, and stars have all changed causing changes in the temperature. This has also affected the wind, and it's very difficult to predict the weather now. And according to them, predicting weather is necessary on the Arctic. Uh, no kidding. Uh, I, I would go farther on that limb and saying uh, predicting weather is just necessary. All the elders confirmed that the Earth has shifted, wobbled, or tilted toward the north. Okay. Uh, apparently NASA scientists, uh, has caused them great concern. It should the Inuit elders, uh, know what they're talking about. So it's not climate change, my friends. Okay. The earth has shifted. Yeah. It's wobbled. (laughs) I mean, to tell you, that's a little scary coming from the Inuit people. I mean, is Inuit, Inuit, 
Inuit people. And I'm at, who doesn't believe the Inuits? Thank you. That's what I thought. Nobody. Nobody doesn't believe the Inuits. I mean, they're telling you their sky has changed. You got to believe it. Right? I mean, why would all the Inuits across the Arctic region say, our sky's changed too? Yeah, ours too. And the position of the sun, the moon, and the stars have all changed. So if that's true. Now, what does that mean, though? Does it mean that we're all going to die? Does it mean that the monolith needs to go back into the planet in Utah? <laughs> yes. Yes is the answer to that. Yes. Or you try to get on the on the alien spaceship and take a ride. Speaking of things off kilter... This headline threw me off for just a little bit. Um, a record-breaking baby, 27 years old, two years younger than mom. And I th- tried to put that together now. There's an 18-month gap between mom and her baby. And no, mom, how could it be 18 months? 18, and the infant is 27 years old. Okay, so... It was born from an embryo. Okay. The embryo is 27 years old. 27 and a half years old, actually. Uh, it was frozen in October of 1992. Incredible. So, you know, it's hard to think about. I mean, it's not hard to wrap your head around. The embryo is frozen. I know the embryo is frozen 27 years old. It doesn't make the baby 27 years old, does it? I mean, okay. You know, maybe. Maybe it does, okay? But this is the second baby that this couple and this mom have had from the same donor, okay? So uh, the previous record was their first baby who was 24 years old, had been on ice for 24 years, and that child was born in 2017. So when they were getting ready to have another kid, they used the embryo, yes, uh, they wanted the same one. And since they were uh, donated anonymously, their biological parents remain unknown. So the doctor is, uh, you know, fired up and honored, of course, to be part of the process. Aria. But uh, they were trying to have their own child over the course of the years, and uh, they just couldn't do it. Okay. Uh, dad has uh, cystic fibrosis, and there's there's a problem there. Apparently, cystic fibrosis causes infertility. I I did not know that. Now, they married 10 years ago, and they tried, uh, you know, considering traditional adoption, and then they were watching a story about this uh, place that, you know, freezing embryos. And they thought, nah. And then they started thinking about it and thought, okay, let's do it. All right? So they visited the center. And the center said, oh, well, here's some profiles of about 300 strangers that donated spare embryos. <laughs> There's 300 of them lying back there on ice. So pick one. And they did. And they picked one that was, that was supposed to be, I guess the, the uh, profile was uh, short. I'm sorry. They said the couple of the embryos were both small people. And then, of course, the health backgrounds. So then they selected the embryo that, you know, became the first baby and the second baby. And they don't know how long 
the embryos last in the liquid nitrogen storage tanks minus 396 degrees according to the doc you know it may be good indefinitely but they know for sure that it can last 27 and a half years right because this baby lasted 27 and a half years six pounds and 13 ounces for the uh for the little baby so that's kind of cool i kind of like it i kind of like it i don't know why but i kind of like it so let's go coast to coast we'll go to philadelphia and then we'll go to california okay so uh well philadelphia you know of course pennsylvania and then we'll go to uh, south pasadena okay so philly to south pasadena we'll start in philly a wing stop sunday night customer comes in a would-be customer comes in pulls a gun tries to rob the employees while he's in the middle of robbing these employees uh, another customer walks in and the robber points the gun at him. There's an armed robbery going on. Points the gun at him, tells him to get over. That customer pulls out his own weapon and shoots the guy in the neck. And the guy dies on the scene back behind the counter. So, yeah, it was a mistake. Uh, trying to rob the old wing stop in Philly. Uh, <laughs> on a Sunday night. And police are investigating, of course. But they claim, look, the guy had a license to carry. He had the weapon pointed at him. If the you know if the video checks out, there's not going to be any charges and everything will be fine. All right, let's go to South Pasadena and see what happened to another criminal. So a guy breaks into his ex-girlfriend's home. This is in South Pasadena. All right. And uh, the woman's mother and sister defended her by using golf clubs and kitchen knives and killed this guy (laughs) so the guy oh wait i'm laughing at someone's death oh i'm so sorry so according to police justin goss the 40 year old throws a large concrete paver through the front window of his former girlfriend's steps inside the house starts to choke her and punch her in the face um no, the mother and sister immediately come to her defense and were, according to the story, unsuccessful in pulling him off using the weapons that they had. They tried to pull him off, didn't work, he was too strong. So then they grabbed the uh, golf clubs and the knife. <laughs> so uh, according to police and the Los Angeles Times, the mother and sister would not face charges for their actions. Yeah, no kidding. Duh. That guy broke into their home that they were living in and attacked another human in the home. And then they fought back and he was, you know, obviously pronounced dead by the Pasadena Fire Department. Yeah, uh, that's what you get, brah. That's what you get. Let's go to the break room. I need something ice cold to drink desperately. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I'm not a fan of the UN by any means or the World Health Organization, but I will say that the UN Commission on Narcotic Drugs voted to reclassify cannabis taking it off the strict level 
schedule list that, uh, you know, that list of course includes all the highly addictive drugs, the heroin, fentanyl, um, and other opioids on that list, of course. Um, but it, uh, it still deems cannabis a controlled substance, but they want to ease restrictions on research into marijuana's therapeutic use. The 53 member commission approved the change by a vote of 27 to 25 with one abstention. Russia was a vocal opponent of, uh, opponent of the move, uh, calling cannabis the most abused drug globally. Okay, that's great. But the UN, uh, following guidance from WHO uh, and its expert committee on drug dependence, which had recommended deleting cannabis and cannabis resin from the schedule, uh, the drug will now remain a Schedule 1 rather than appearing on both lists. So, I mean, you know, marijuana activists are, will be happy. The cannabis industry will be happy. And they'll be, you know, easing legal restrictions on marijuana, you know, across the board. And this will be a good way to say, look, look at what happened right here. Take a look. Take a look. No, really. Take a look. Take a look at this. You need to be a subscriber. Wait, with of cannabis? No, you need to be a subscriber of Chewing the Fat podcast. Duh. I mean, sure, you could be both. You could be a subscriber to cannabis and a subscriber to Chewing the Fat podcast. In fact, some would argue that it makes Chewing the Fat podcast better if you are a subscriber to both but i am not advocating any of that i the only thing i'm advocating is that you become a subscriber to chewing the fat podcast it's available on a plethora of platforms including itunes iHeartRadio, stitcher spotify and many 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 more platforms that where podcasts are available that would be a plethora of podcast platforms to listen to Chewing the Fat on. And if your preferred platform allows you to rate and review the podcast, I would appreciate you reviewing it. You know, 20 stars, best podcast ever, something like that. You know, something similar to 20 stars, best podcast ever. And then you're good. And then, you know, of course, tell your friends and neighbors and tell everybody that, you know, they should be subscribing to Chewing the Fat. Thank you. That would be great. And of course, there's one rule. All right. So while, uh, while if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're not a subscriber, you're just known as a freeloader. Okay. And nobody likes a freeloader. So if you subscribe to the podcast, which is free, you become a freeloading subscriber. Then you're fine. Everybody loves a freeloading subscriber. Duh. They think you're subscribing for free. Wow. That's cool. So, uh, but just freeloading, nobody likes that. But one of the rules, once you become a freeloading subscriber, is that whenever you have headphones in and somebody says, hey, what are you listening to? Your answer has to be chewing the fat. I mean, it's a rule. I, you know, I'm just telling you what the rules are. So it doesn't matter what you're listening to. Obviously, everybody listens to multiple podcasts, and I'm really appreciative of those that are listening to chewing the fat. But your answer needs to be when asked what you're listening to, no matter what it is, chewing the fat podcast and Hey, you should subscribe too. <laughs> I mean, it's the rules. It's the rules. So apparently we've got some new members of the climate pledge. Yay. So Jeff Bezos has announced that five companies, five new companies to the climate pledge. Now, he pledged, remember, to make uh, Amazon carbon neutral by 2040. 
Now, there's been plenty of employees uh, and you know some consumers that have protested a little bit. I mean, there's plenty of employees at Amazon that can think that they're not doing enough. They're part of the Amazon Employees for Climate Justice. <laughs> now, of course, they speak, uh, you know, in private under the auspices of anonymity because they might get fired. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, probably. So just keep up the good work for the Amazon Employees of Climate Justice. I mean, the guy tells you that he's going to do it and you're still pissed at him because he's still using oil and gas like the rest of the world we hate him for that okay all right fine anyway congratulations to the five latest companies joining the uh jeff bezos uh, climate pledge uh boom supersonic uh cabify jet blue uh rivian and uber congratulations for joining the climate pledge you you guys are great uh, the cli- you know, the transportation sector plays a critical role in accelerating our carbon reduction goals. And we welcome Boom, Cabify, JetBlue, Rivian, and Uber as they join us on this journey to net zero carbon by 2040. Now, if you take the pledge, you measure and report greenhouse gas emissions on a regular basis. You implement decarbonization strategies in line with the Paris Agreement through real business changes and innovations, including efficiency, improvements, renewable energy, materials, reductions, and other carbon emission elimination strategies. Neutralize any remaining emissions with additional quantifiable, real, permanent, and socially beneficial offsets to achieve net zero annual carbon emissions by 2040. I would say good luck to that. Especially that we found out uh, earlier from the uh, Inuit people that uh, the poles have shifted. Uh, the earth has moved. Uh, it's wobbled. We don't know what's going on. So, uh, anyway, we'll see. There's 18 organizations who have signed on. So you have Amazon, Best Buy, Boom Supersonic, Cabify, Henkel, JetBlue, McKinstry, Mercedes-Benz, Oakview Group, uh, Real Bettis, Reckitt, Bankster, oh man, Rivian already's on there, all right, so that's, Rivian's already on there, Schneider, Electric, Siemens, Signify, Uber, and Verizon. Man, that is, that's a good group to be part of, isn't it? It, it truly is. Congratulations, man, you guys are taking the world by the horns. I mean, if you don't know Boom Super, Supersonic, they are aiming to redefine commercial flight by bringing supersonic travel back to the skies. I don't know if they're going to do that using solar power. I don't know. I guess they're going to, you know, they have a test program for its XB1 demonstrator that will be carbon neutral through the use of sustainable aviation fuels and high quality vetted carbon offsetting. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> Cabify is uh, the only urban mobility app in Europe and Latin America to be carbon neutral by offsetting 100% of all the carbon emissions it generates from its corporate operations and for every ride booked through the app. It's also closely measuring and reducing emissions for its corporate activity and aims to electrify its transportation fleet in Spain and Latin America by 25 and 2030, respectively, to reduce carbon emissions. That's great. 
That's great. There are large-scale efforts in Chile, Peru, Brazil, using solutions like blockchain technology for carbon offsetting. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And Rivian is launching a range of adventure-oriented vehicles, as well as delivery vans, specifically for Amazon's last-mile delivery applications. The company launches products. Oh my gosh! So they're 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 going to build sell the vehicles to be the carbon neutral vehicles to Amazon. Yeah, man, that's a good deal. That was that was a million dollar idea and he took it good for him good for him and i mean uber you know what uber is oh my gosh it's just (sighs) congratulations and welcome to the climate pledge you new five to the 18 companies that are part of the climate pledge good for you good for the planet and good for you. One other thing that's good for you is James Comey, former uh, head of the FBI. Uh, he is now going to teach at Columbia Law School. That is so great. It's good for him, good for you, good for us. Uh, he's going to be a senior research scholar and part of the Ruben Mark Initiative for Organizational Character and Leadership. Oh my gosh, that is so good. And he's also going to lead a seminar called Lawyers and Leaders. That is so good. He's also going to take the role as one of two leaders in residence through the Mark Initiative's Leader in Residence program at Columbia University, Columbia Law, which is great. That that program invites executives from government agencies, corporations, and top law firms to teach classes at Columbia and share their professional experience with students through advising and engaging in other programming at the school. Man, does that, does that sound good? Doesn't it? (laughs) I know. I'm ready to take the class. And, uh, speaking of Amazon, I mean, and the holidays, uh, we're in, you know, holiday shopping season right now. And apparently shippers are starting to really feel the stress of Americans ordering online. So having reached allotted capacity, UPS has told its drivers to stop picking up packages at six major retailers, including Nike and Gap to maintain performance standards. I, how do you stop picking up those packages? I mean, people still have to get their product. Amazon is offering a rebate, two to three bucks, for some of the company's digital products if you select the no rush shipping option. You know, that's we're guessing that's because they're trying to reduce the strain of its own fulfillment network, right? I mean, look, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Online shipping increased or online shopping increased 44% over last year. Shopify, a platform that's home to a million plus merchants, reported Black Friday sales increased 75% this year, 2.4 billion. Wow. And at the same time, far fewer people are shopping at brick and mortar locations. Well, I mean, U.S. store visits dropped more than 50%. Well, yeah, duh, on Black Friday. Yeah, but we were told we didn't, shouldn't go shopping. We shouldn't be out, right? And many places around the country were on lockdown and have been on lockdown, and places are closed. Right? I mean, that's that's a that's an easy number to get to when you're telling people not to go out. Duh. But apparently, investors are buying up 
warehouses. I mean, they're talking about uh, the private equity firm KKR. Who doesn't love the private equity firm KKR? They were getting ready to acquire 100 warehouses in the U.S. on an $800 million deal. Um, P.E. giant Blackstone bought more than $25 billion worth of industrial properties last year. I mean, wow. These companies are spending all kinds of money on these warehouses. Now's the time to start your own delivery service, right? If UPS is telling major retailers to that they're we're not going to pick up your stuff to get delivered because we're already under stress. Wow. I don't know about FedEx. I mean, my neighborhood has UPS and FedEx trucks in it every day. Every, I mean, there's no, there's not a day goes by that UPS and FedEx trucks aren't driving through this neighborhood. Uh, people, you know, are expecting deliveries. And so, I mean, I guess maybe that... Even with the drone services, though, you're still looking at, you know, you've got to get the product to close to where you can't send a drone from Seattle to Dallas. There you go. I mean, not to just deliver toothpaste. So, I mean, that, that last mile of, of fulfillment is the toughest one, right? So now they're even feeling the pressure of outside of that last mile, right? They're feeling the pressure because there's so much product being ordered and being shipped that the distribution has got to be a nightmare, just a nightmare. I mean, that, that's, a, that's, that's what you get into is, uh, you know, distribution and figure out how to make it work for these companies. That's a good gig. <laughs> Okay. Uh, anyway, you know, I tell you that and I'm <laughs> use my idea. That's what, that's what we do here at chewing the fat. Okay. That's what I do. It's just giving you ideas, just throwing them out there for you, you know, ideas for you to use or not use whatever you want. I, that's what I'm here for. All right. Giving you ideas to use or not use whatever you want. Did you see that there's a new streaming service now? Another one. Uh, yeah, I know. Discovery Plus is launching. Okay. They Discovery Inc. owns Animal Planet, HGTV, Food Network, and a whole bunch more. And it's launching Discovery Plus. Now they say 55,000 episodes from 2,500 different shows at launch time, which is going to be after January. I think the first part of January. We'll go to their website and check it out because I want to know how much they're going to charge us for this thing. Uh, Discovery execs also think original unscripted content like Bobby Flay beating up on amateur chefs or big sharks eating smaller sharks will help Discovery Plus attract viewers who aren't willing to commit to four seasons of The Crown. <laughs> now, uh, also... Discovery has European streaming rights for the Olympics. Wow, that's, I mean, that's where you start making your money if these streaming services start getting exclusive rights to things that people are going to want to watch, right? Wow. 
So we were told that, uh, you know, it's the end of the year. So we find out, you know, how good things were and what happened to companies all year long. So according and Spotify, you know, did their you know, year end numbers thing yesterday, which, you know, obviously they were wrong on that was reported. It was reported that, uh, there was, a uh, another podcast that was their number one podcast that wasn't chewing the fat. <laughs> I mean, okay, whatever Spotify, you know, if you want to lie to the people, go ahead. So <laughs> hey, whatever Joe, somebody Joe Rogan, Joe Regine. Uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. Apparently is their number one podcast, whatever. Uh, we all know that's a lie. It's chewing the fat. So, uh, zoom was the most downloaded free app of the year with TikTok and Disney plus following close behind. Among Us edged out Call of Duty for uh, uh, mobile and Roblox, which is super sus. Even uh, Global Pandemic uh, Plague Inc. came in at number two. Um, let's see, what else? The biggest winner. Uh, uh, while uh, 420 Dogface 208 Vibin. <laughs> That's not Vibin. It's uh, 420 Dogface 208, uh, you know, was uh, with his Fleetwood Mac set. Remember the Fleetwood Mac? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, it was the second most popular TikTok video of the year. Not number one. That's incredible. Cause man, that thing was crazy. The top spot goes to breakout star, Bella porch, Bella porch, lip sinking to British rapper, Millie B's diss track. Oh, so, uh, so often Aspen span. It was great too. So, so Aspen said it was, it was awesome. I, I, I must've watched that Bella porch. TikTok video with, you know, at least I gave her at least a thousand, uh, a thousand views at least I had to. Okay. So discovery plus streaming discovery plus. So I go to their website and, uh, they're already up and running stream. What you love discovery plus streaming January 4th, January 4th. So HGTV food network, TLC, uh, ID own animal planet plus discovery. Okay. Oh, wow. And Discovery, Magnolia Network, Planet Earth, BBC Planet Earth, Annie, Lifetime History, Travel, Psy, DIY Network, The Dodo, and of course, the ever popular And More. (laughs) And it's all in one place. The only streaming service with the greatest real life entertainment and exclusive originals all in one place. Wow, I've got some show ideas for them, too. They need to, Discovery Plus, call me. I've got a couple show ideas for you. So remember, 55,000 episodes across 2,500-plus shows. Wow. The best lifestyle, home and family, food, nature and adventure, and true crime content the world has to offer. And they give you a big list, and they give you the sneak peeks, and you keep scrolling down, and they give you all their sneak peeks for all the shows. And then let's go to... The frequently asked questions, shall we? Uh, what is Discovery Plus? I don't know. Uh, is it a streaming service? Yes, that's what it is. What will Discovery Plus include? Uh, it's going to recluse, uh, gives you instant unlimited access to exactly what I said earlier, okay? Okay. It's going to also include popular shows from A&E and History of Lifetime, including The First 48, Dance Moms, Ice Road Truckers, Married at First Sight, 60 Days In, and more but really really what people want to know is 
when can I start watching? January 4th. And how much is it going to cost? Discovery Plus. It will be competitively priced to complement your favorite streaming services. Oh, good. That's good. So plans are going to start at $4.99 a month with an ad-free version available, of course, for $6.99 a month. Sign up for timely updates about Discovery Plus. So $4.99 a month with ads, $6.99 a month ad-free. Wow. Good luck. Good luck. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts. Now we probably should talk a little bit about the coronavirus. I know we didn't, uh, you know, I know. I, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. We're getting inundated every day with just the pandemic, the pandemic, and the numbers are through the roof, and the most people died, all-time record, and where numbers are going through the roof, and we've got to do something. And yet, do we? Do we? That, maybe, maybe that's my question. Do we? Now, I know we're having problems with big gatherings. The New Orleans Swingers convention that went on uh, apparently now have 40 attendees that were there uh, have contracted COVID-19. I know. Now, I know. So now it's it has turned into a super spreader event not only was the swingers convention a super spreader but it's also now a coronavirus super spreader event when you get that joke you're gonna laugh so 41 attendees tested positive for the virus okay so naughty events owner bob hannaford wrote that november's five-day naughty in nolens uh at first seemed like a safe success thanks to a plethora of pandemic precautions. We went to extraordinary measures for check-in and instituted a touchless process with required temperature checks, social distancing in line, sanitizing upon check-in. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Kicked off on November 10th. We issued wristbands in one color to indicate who had antibodies and therefore was not contagious. We issued a second color to those that showed us a very recent negative COVID-19 test. The wristbands even had each person's date of their test circled. And he recalled going out to dinner with friends to celebrate the climax of the X-rated extravaganza, which, according to him, turned out to be a little premature. Tests started coming in after it was all over. And it was his wife who tested positive on Monday night after our venter. Just. Well, it wasn't his wife. It was somebody else's wife. So it really wasn't that big a deal. So in the following days, dozens of similar emails. So they had 300 attendees. 41 out of the 300 have now tested positive. Wow. So most consider that a positivity rate of 13%, but you have no idea how many people get tested after our event, nor if anyone tested positive and didn't tell us. There could also be people that are positive, but without symptoms, so they never get tested. One attendee described by Hannaford as a good friend was hospitalized in serious condition, but has since been released. I would also like to know that how many of these people were just 
diagnosed positive and then they were fine. You know, they went into the quarantine for 14 days or 10 days or whatever they have to go into quarantine for. And then it's fine, but it's, you know, they don't obviously don't give you those numbers. It says that most afflicted attendees, um, experience minor symptoms or were asymptomatic. Okay. So that's good. Most, you know, that that's, that's great. Right. We know he knows of one that was really bad out of the 41 and the others were okay. So, I mean, is that really bad news? I mean, we've got to live our life. I know it's a swingers convention and you know, it became a, I know it's, I know it's a super spreader. I got it. But I mean, okay. So you, we are living our lives and we get sick. You take the chance. That's what America is supposed to be. We're supposed to decide for ourselves. We take as much as much and many precautions as we can. uh, But then it's up to us. And so if they got sick, they got sick. That was part of the deal. I just, we just can't shut down. I mean, we've just said it over and over again. It's, it's, this is a never ending mantra and it just has to happen. I mean, we just, we can't shut down America and survive. We just can't. And New Orleans is already, they're not even doing Mardi Gras in this year. I remember last year was we were doing, they did Mardi Gras no matter what. She oh, was a mistake, was it? But I mean, there's no Mardi Gras going on now. Uh, in 2021, they've already scrapped the plans. So new Orleans. All right. All right. Good luck. God bless. And did you see (laughs) my man in North Korea, uh, Kim Jong-il, uh, did you, no one in North Korea has coronavirus. Did you know that? Not one person has coronavirus. Well, there was one person that had coronavirus and, uh, he was killed. So he tried to, you know, skirt the laws and sneak into the, well, he brought goods through customs. That was a violation of coronavirus related quarantine measures. And, uh, so he didn't really have coronavirus so much as that he violated the rules and, uh, yeah, he died. Uh, we got rid of him. Have a nice day. And, you know, he's a rule breaker. And he could have had coronavirus, so we can't we can't have coronavirus in North Korea. We can't have it, and it doesn't matter that I'm not going to take delivery of food from China through this port that I say could bring in coronavirus, and my people are starving. So go ahead and starve. There's not one case of coronavirus in North Korea. Okay, all right. Apparently, Kim Jong is. Uh, Starting to freak out a little bit. According to the story, he's been expressing emotional excess, anger, and signs of stress, and increasingly giving unreasonable orders. Okay. All right. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) According to this, most of North Korea's trade, both legal and the extensive smuggling that's going on, goes through China. And the border closure after coronavirus broke out has sent sent food and commodity prices surging. All right. Uh, All right. So, I mean, North Korea is in trouble, man. But they don't have any coronavirus. So good. I mean, that's good for them. I was sent a, uh, 
a uh, rundown of number of cases of coronavirus in North Korea documented, which I found, you know, kind of strange. But, you know, if this is actual documentation, it makes sense why they don't have any cases of coronavirus in the country. It starts out with uh, at 8 a.m., one case of coronavirus at 810, zero cases of coronavirus. At 9.23 a.m., one case of coronavirus. At 9.30 a.m., zero cases of coronavirus. 11.58 a.m., one case of coronavirus. 12.04 p.m., zero cases of coronavirus. At 4.13 p.m., one case of coronavirus. At 4.17, zero cases of coronavirus. I find it uh, weird that they pick up the pace in the afternoons, but in the mornings, they let you, they let it go for a couple extra minutes. So if you're going to come down with coronavirus in North Korea and want to live an extra two or three minutes, do it in the morning. They let you live for a few minutes longer than what they do in the afternoons. (laughs) Oh man, we are living in some really strange times and you can't quote me on that. You can quote me on that. We are living in some strange, strange times. One last, one last thing. I saw where Kimberly Clasic, remember she was running for Congress in Baltimore and had the great video. In fact, we talked to her first here on Chewing the Fat uh, after the release of her very first video and she was running for office and she lost. I'm very sad that she lost that, but she's, you know, hopped on the, the Trump train and she's uh, still a, a, you know, a big voice for capitalism and turning things around in Baltimore. And the country, for that matter. So she was, uh, on her Twitter account, uh, a person tweeted to her, Every black female Republican has one trait in common. They all sound white. Okay, thanks, uh, Philip Bailey, uh, Mr. Racist. Uh, Mr. How racist is that to think that way? Just incredible. Anyway, uh, every black female Republican has one trait in common. They all sound white. Now, Kimberly's response was awesome. Her response to Philip Bailey at Phibay, P-H-I-B-A-I. My father was an executive at IBM and from Connecticut. Slang wasn't allowed in our home. My parents had standards and expectations. I don't sound white. I sound intelligent. That can be confusing for some. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome response. I love it. Kim. Tremendous. 